Hey guys, I'm Esther, owner of Sarah Design. And I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community and covering industry secrets and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey guys, welcome back to Better the Brand Designer Podcast. We have a juicy, spooky episode for you guys today to celebrate spooky season. We love spooky season. It's so fun seeing like all of the decorations that people have out on their lawns right now. I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but people have gone crazy. Yes. And we're recording this in advance as well. And I was in Lowe's the other day. Christmas trees everywhere. I was like, oh, okay, we're really getting ahead of things. Like all of the decor, like, oh my gosh, they're going to be yeah. putting out Valentine's Day stuff next. <laughs> oh my gosh, seriously. I mean, it's it's currently September when we're recording. And when I went to Costco the other day, they already had Christmas stuff out. So oh I'm like, gosh. it's it's just going crazy. I yeah. personally am not a decorator for Halloween or for like Thanksgiving. The fall time, I'm not a huge decorator. I'll start to decorate when it gets to Christmas. So like the day after Thanksgiving, I'll start decorating for Christmas. Aww. I bet your house is so cute with Christmas decor. It's fun. Last year was definitely not because we had just moved into our house. So it was right. like a hodgepodge of boxes and I did put up our tree, but... Yeah. So this will be your first year with everything kind of in its place and you'll be able to like see where you need like extra decor. Like I feel like that's one of the things I'm most excited about for our home once that gets done, like just being able to, you know, have a place for every single one of our Christmas decorations because it's just kind of been like, oh, just find a spot for that nutcracker or whatever. Or we'll just like drape this over here. And it's yes. like, I'm so excited for it to, like, to intentionally decorate. <laughs> yeah. Are you a spooky season person? I'm not like one of those people that's like Halloween is my favorite like uh, like holiday. I'm just I like Halloween, but I don't really decorate for it. I do decorate for fall though. I have like fall table runners and I swap out all of my like hand towels for like fall themed stuff. I have like ceramic pumpkins. Obviously, all that stuff is locked away in our pod. So, you know, so we're just none kind this of year. for the ride. None this year. Um, and I'm actually like devastated that I won't be able to see my Christmas ornaments because Christmas is where I really go all out and I collect Christmas ornaments. That's like the thing in my life that like wherever I go somewhere, I'll like buy a Christmas ornament. And especially because we've lived like all over and I feel like we've like traveled around a lot. There is just like a little diary of like our yeah, lives together on I our like Christmas that. tree. And we're not going to be able to see them this year, which is sad, but you know, we're really grateful. It'll for be extra special next, next year. I know. And I want to hope that our house is done by Christmas 2023. I'm hoping for next summer, but you just never know with home builds. Yeah. They just kind of go crazy. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. But I'm so excited about our spooky client stories. Very fitting for this time of year. It's yes. funny. I love the name that you put there because otherwise it would have just been scary client stories. I don't know. I mean, that's still... I mean, they're spooky. They're scary. They're difficult. Difficult. They're strange. Yes. Like, we did a difficult client stories episode um, back in, I believe. Okay, my door just closed by itself. Oh my gosh, okay, this is spooky. Is a, ah! This is so spooky, guys. Oh my God. I don't know if you heard the door close, guys, but I heard it. Okay. It was okay, a little click. This is, yeah. Okay, I'm going to blame the AC, but I don't know. I feel like it's because we're we recording. Don't know what next Tuesday, guys? 
maybe something happened to me. <laughs> maybe Esther will show up and be like, Jen. Oh my God. Um, boo. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we did an episode like this um, way back in season three, I believe, um, where we just collected stories from you guys. And we also collected, and we did this this, this time as well, we collected the story, but also like what did you learn? And that kind of brings us to talk a little, just for a second about our intention for this episode, because as fun as it is to, you know, complain about clients to your designer friends and to hear from other people about the crazy situations that they've been in, um, we do not want to be gossiping about clients and or designers. We're not laying blame or shaming anyone, clients or designers. We really just want to have a good laugh, but also learn from other people's experiences. And we asked every single person, in addition to their story, what did you learn? And I feel like there's a lot of great takeaways um, for other people. Um, So you guys can glean all of the things that people learned about, especially noticing red flags and things like that. Um, But yeah, we're really excited. Yeah. I also think that the cool thing about hearing these stories is that it makes you feel like you're not alone. Because so yeah. often we can feel like, okay, I'm just going through this designer thing myself. I'm the only business owner who's struggling with difficult clients. But at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure everybody has at least one, one bad story with a client. Yeah. If not more. Yeah. I mean, I hope that you don't have any. That would be ideal. But there are just a lot of different circumstances. So definitely reading through all of these beforehand has made me feel like I'm not the only person who's going through stuff. And I don't think I'm the last person to go through it in the future too. Yeah. I a hundred percent believe that difficult client situations are the hardest part of what we do, especially for, I'm a self-diagnosed people pleaser, recovering people pleaser. I only want my clients to be happy. And so when someone isn't happy or something happens, it's just like, crushes me, you know? Yeah. So if you are currently going through something like this, we actually have people post all the time in our Facebook group. Hey, I'm going through a tough season with a client I, like, right now. What are your thoughts? Like, what's your advice? Like, please come and join us. We have all been there. Um, and we're happy to, if not share advice, just commiserate because it will be over eventually. <laughs> Yeah. We also do want to give a little bit of a warning for some of these stories. There is verbal and sexual harassment in them. And we will definitely give another warning before we actually read through that story. Just so if you want to skip ahead, you totally can. These are definitely hard situations and the people who have submitted them have been so gracious. And I think a little bit of a release to put all of that out there too. So just a little bit of a warning. Yeah, we we definitely wanted to maintain the integrity of these stories. And some of them have been edited for length, but not for content. The most important parts of each story is still here. And um, although we wish that this designer hadn't experienced the situation, like I think it is important to share her story and um, just kind of see like the positive attitude that she had afterwards, kind of coming out of it, what she learned, et cetera. So when it comes to scaling your business, there is so much noise around what you could do. Day rates, custom work, hiring team, courses, and workshops, and webinars. It's really overwhelming. It makes me think, like, is my mindset broken? Is it me? No, you are not broken. Different business stages need different things. 
Building a business around who you are as a human is how you can unlock your next level of self-defined success. This is the space that Morgan Rapp holds and teaches from in her group coaching program, Design Biz Mastery, which both Esther and I took, and it changed both of our businesses. We love how the program is focused not just on those vanity numbers that you see on Instagram, but on how to package and sell an ecosystem of cash-injecting, profitable offers in different high-value price ranges, 3 to 10K plus, that honors you in the process. DBM students have seen their investments back within their first sales calls, reduced their workload, scaled to six figures with services only, consistently brought in new leads, gained way more confidence, and established the income they need to sustainably create time and financial freedom. Grow your revenue, take Fridays off, and reach full body peace in your business with Design Biz Mastery. Visit dbm.morganrap.com slash better. Rap is spelled R-A-P-P. To learn more and also receive access to a free private training about the three-part framework to peacefully scale your design business towards six figures on part-time hours. So yeah, let's get into it. I guess I'll start with the first one and then you can read the next one and we'll just go back and forth and we'll just give our thoughts after each one. So our first submission reads... I was super excited for this client, but I swear at every stage of the project, something went wrong. I ended up just wanting the project to be over and not really enjoying any of it. So basically my client had no clue what she wanted for her brand, which in itself was very difficult to work with. But what got me the most was when we got to the website and the mock-up was approved, all built in Squarespace and looked absolutely nothing like her previous website, I received a super long, spicy email from her stating that the website looks nowhere near done, looks just like her previous website, and then she also proceeds to complain about other stuff. I was in total shock and so confused. This client had me questioning everything I was doing and whether or not having this business was worth it. Oh my gosh, have I had a client like that? It's so frustrating when you like when the clients don't fully know what they want and then Mm -hmm. you are trying to figure it out for them. But like, I'm not a mind reader, right? (laughs) Right, exactly. And that's what the creative direction process is for. It's like, on one hand, you want the client to fully trust you. But on the other hand, when they don't really know what they want or they don't know what their vision is, that makes things really difficult. Like you don't want a client to come with a sketch and say, digitize this. But then you also don't want a client being like, I don't know. I'll know when I see it. That's like the worst thing to hear. Yes. It's such a red flag. <laughs> but to say that like the website looks exactly like it did before. Yeah. That is so rude. What did this person learn from it? So this is what this person learned. I definitely learned a lot about myself during this project. I need to be better at communication for starters and clearly articulating things to clients. I also need to create better systems in my business that help keep projects moving forward. I definitely bent the rules for my client, which now I've learned not to do as it made the project much harder. I also learned what type of people I do and don't want to work with. I definitely had to lean on God heavily during this project as I've never experienced so much difficulty with a client, which affected my mental health as well. But I learned mostly to only work with people that you want to and not let money get in the way. It is so easy to fall into the trap of just needing somebody to book with you because money is tight, but then those projects end up being the ones that you regret taking on. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. I relate. I relate, especially like the money piece, you know, where it's like you see these dollar signs and you're like, ooh, okay, this could be like really, really profitable for me. And then you kind of ignore a couple of red flags. I don't think that has ever worked out for me. Like, I don't think I've 
kind of sort of seen a red flag and then work with the client and then been like, oh, I was totally wrong. Like they were so sweet. <laughs> right. I think the one thing that I, I took from what this person learned was the being better at communication and clearly articulating things to clients. I think that's something that I'm still continuously learning after each session that I have because some you never know how clients are going to react. Some clients are like, yeah, totally trust you, love this all. And some people need a little bit more handholding. And it sounds like the client that you had might have needed a little bit of handholding and talking through what things are going to look like and just giving them a little more direction. And it's hard when you're in it and when you've already bent rules and already kind of gone above and beyond, and then you feel like you have to rein it back a little bit and hold them accountable to what you've said and what you've agreed on. But I think that's a really good learning lesson of creating the good systems that is going to help you in the future. But that's sucky. I'm so sorry. Agreed. Yeah. I think with every single client, I I shift my process just a little bit based off of like what type of support they need. And that's actually something I'll ask them in the beginning of the project. Like, what type of communicator are you? You know, like, do you enjoy using email or do you prefer voice or phone call? You know, like, and then I also show boundaries of like, hey, these are the number of phone calls included. If you feel like you need extra, please just communicate that to me, et cetera. But yeah, I love that. There's definitely a lot of self-awareness here and also just kind of a really difficult client. So definitely sorry that that happened to you. (laughs) Our next story says... I was hired by a Reiki master to redo their brand. They also wanted to update their website, so they hired me to do the design, not the development because I wanted to work with their current developer. This was a big mistake on my part for not having a conversation with the developer before we moved forward. I thought they'd be cool with me doing the design, but really they weren't. They ended up being extremely difficult to work with and were condescending to me and my expertise every step of the way. It got so bad, I ended up having to quit the project because I no longer wanted to be treated poorly. The worst part was that when I quit, the client forwarded my email to the developer and they proceeded to harass me for months after. Oh Oh my my gosh. gosh. No. Oh, this is like a difficult client and a difficult subcontractor. Yeah. That's rough. Okay. I also have like a mini story to that because I had something similar, not fully like they didn't have their own full-time developer that they were working with. So they did hire me to do the design and development, but they had their previous developer who was a family member of the client who was like there just in case, I guess, or like if there were any questions. And so when we did finish up the project, (laughs) that developer or the previous person was like, you didn't do this the right way. You didn't do like, and I'm like, no, it's just because I do things differently, differently than you. Yeah. And so it's it's hard to work with people, especially when you don't have like any type of good working relationship. There are some people who are going to be good other some contractors that you don't necessarily know and you might meet for the first time, but it's really tough to know that from the bat. So I think that like just hearing your story and I know like we're maybe not asking for advice, but my advice for like anyone who might be going for that in the future is like, saying, okay, well, I'd love to meet with your developer before I sign on this project. So you can at least have some Mm -hmm. sort of conversation because if you don't get red flags from the client, you might get red flags from the developer. And like we said before, red flags never mean it's going to be good in the future. Yeah. I feel like it's hard when there's like multiple 
parties involved that you're not like bringing on to the project yourself. Like I've worked on definitely many projects that have multiple moving pieces, copywriters, developers, designers, et cetera. But usually those are all people coming from my end that I subcontract or partner with um, where there's two invoices, two contracts, that type of thing. But they're all people that I've built rapport with. I've actually never been in a situation like this where someone's like, actually, no, I want to use my person for this. And I definitely feel like that would be, you know, that's great advice is to like do your homework on who this person is and what their business is. And maybe there's a values misalignment. Maybe there's, maybe their communication style is there. They want to be on calls with you 24 seven and that doesn't work with their lifestyle, you know? Well, I like what this person wrote for what they learned. So I'm going to read that real quick. They said they learned that not every member of our industry has the client's best interest at heart. It was clear from our communication that the developer was mad my client didn't hire him to fully build her website. So instead of resolving that issue with her, they took it out on me to the detriment of the project. They also ruined my relationship with that client. In the future, if a client wanted to use their own developer or any of their own service providers in conjunction with me to build out a project, I'd request a meeting with the other team members prior to committing to the project. I don't want anyone to be blindsided and I want to ensure that everyone's on the same page about helping the client achieve their goals. Amen. Exactly what the advice was to make sure you like have a conversation with people beforehand. Because yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we want what's best for our clients, not what's best for us. I mean, yes, I want to be like, treated well and all of that. But like, we're in a service industry. Yeah. I love how they brought it back to the goals. That's what I'm always talking about with my mentorship students and with my own clients. It's like, what are your goals? What do you want to get out of this project? And so they kind of took the emotional side out of it and brought it back to like, okay, well, we weren't actually able to achieve their goals because yeah. the developer was getting in the way. So, And I kind of understand where the developer was coming from. Like, yeah, that's sucky to have the person you're working with, like work with somebody else. But at the end of the day, it's business, right? Like if that person, that developer wasn't going to deliver what she wanted, then you kind of have to keep going. Yeah. Okay. Our next story says, I had what I consider my best client turn into my worst. Mm. I had previously done her branding. She was over the moon about it and told me she would trust no one else with her website. She specifically said her sister could do it, but she was choosing me because I had a lot of experience working with her industry and she trusted me as the expert. Oh no, what could go wrong? (laughs) All was well and good until we got to the revision stage. Enter the sister. No, oh no. (laughs) I got an email from the sister with a link to a Google doc of all the revisions, not in the requested feedback form, of course. Half the revision requests were, in my opinion, not user-friendly and went against general design principles. I brought my concerns up to the client and she said that anything her sister says is what she wants as her sister has experience in visual design and knows what she's doing. After being, quote, put in my place as not an expert, but a pixel pusher, I decided the best way to handle this was a one-hour revision call where I live edit the site to where she wanted it. It turned into a three-hour call with another round of additional requests afterwards. Since that was out of scope, I told them I would do a site handover training where they can fix everything themselves to their heart's desire. Thankfully, she changed the OG design so much, I actually am using my original work as a template for my shop. At the end, the client was insanely happy with her site and has already referred people to me. Oh, wow. Wait, this one what? Has a happy ending. That's okay. <laughs> okay. So many twists and turns there. <laughs> I know that came out of nowhere. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, good for you. I mean, I feel like I feel like you navigated everything pretty well. 
under the circumstances of this, like, it's like an evil twin sister coming into the story, like an evil stepsister. (laughs) Okay. But the one thing that I like made it crawled under my skin was where you said you're being put in your place as not an expert, but as a pixel pusher. I'm like, that is literally every designer's worst nightmare because that Mm -hmm. you're trying to serve your clients and you are the expert. Like that's what they've hired you for. If, okay, that the red flag there was like, my sister can do it or like my friend can do it. I hate when people say that. I'm like, okay, then have your friend do it. I know. Yeah. If they're going to be involved in the project, then like you better have a conversation with them, with the client and be very clear about who is in charge of providing feedback and signing off on deliverables. That is actually a question that I added to my inquiry form recently, where it says, are you the primary decision maker for this project or are you representing a, another person on your team or your CEO or something? Um, Because like, you have to be so specific with people about who gets say and what happens. And that's not just to make your life easier. It's to make the project move faster because the more people that are involved giving feedback, it just, it takes forever. I am so curious the end where it's like, my client was still happy. I'm like, wait, no. <laughs> that's wait, awesome. You, like, I'm so happy for you. Like- that is wild. <laughs> that's great. And you have a template for your shop. So this definitely has a happy ending for sure. It's a win-win-win. I mean, like sucky situation during it, but like now, pros. She said that she learned a lot about how I should present myself as the expert more and stick to my guns. Oh yeah, and telling clients do not involve family during revision rounds. I also invested in a program to develop a high-end client experience as I think that that contributed to how I portrayed myself and how my client felt throughout the process. Yeah. Also like talking about involving family, I know a lot of people like to involve their partners and I think that I can understand it, right? Like your partner is an extension of you, but sometimes that gets murky too. Oh, so messy. I mean, we've talked about it before on the podcast on our Never Have I Ever um, episode where we talk about like, do you show your partner your designs and get their feedback? And I feel like every single time I do this, I always end up frustrated because yeah. <laughs> he'll see something weird in there that like I don't see it. I'm like, okay, is this just you? Like, are more people going to see that? Like, it just, it gets messy even internally. So client partners, I'm always little afraid of. (laughs) Yeah. I remember even when I worked in advertising and we were developing creative and commercials for big name companies, like Fortune 500 companies. And the client would come back and say, well, I showed my wife or I showed my husband this and they don't really get it. And it's like, okay, but you are the creative director here. So... If you get it, you know, like, I mean, I understand there's, there's a level of like wanting to connect with the people around you, but I'm like, stay out, stay out. You're not creative. (laughs) Stay out. You're not creative. Put that on a (laughs) t-shirt. You're not creative. I am. Stay out. You're not creative. I am. (laughs) New merch coming soon. Just kidding. (laughs) Our next story I had a seemingly dream client inquire about my services. We had a call and he quite literally said, I want to work with you. The cost does not matter. He was extremely responsive and quick to pay his first installment. Our project started out good and out of kindness, I included a product mock-up for him inside his brand identity, even though that wasn't on project deliverables. The first round of feedback was that everything looked spectacular with minor changes except the product mock-up. 
He didn't like it and he wanted it to stand out more. So the next round, I went above and beyond to create three different versions of product mock-ups that I thought based on my research would really stand out on the shelves. When he returned his feedback on this, it essentially said, this is nothing like what I wanted. I feel like you aren't following instructions. <gasps> no, I was beyond angry. I never had somebody say something so ridiculous to me as if design was as simple as completing a paint by numbers. He then followed up with an quote, example that his wife's company has created, saying he wants something (laughs) like that. So on the third round, I essentially recreated that exact design because clearly my ideas didn't align with his vision. His final feedback was that he wished I'd put my creative spin on it, but it was fine. Oh my gosh, I'm so mad. You know, I'm like, I can't. (laughs) We haven't spoken much after our project ended except for simple graphics usage questions. I think this entire experience boils down to miscommunication and frustration that happens when third parties get involved with design projects. Hint, Mm -hmm. last story. And input ideas that the client never had prior to third party adding their opinion. 100%. Also, okay, so that's the end of the story. But that product mock-up literally was like a gift to him. (laughs) It was extra. It was out of scope. Put that on your t-shirt. Out of scope. I know. I want to do a hat that says that's out of scope. I just don't think anyone would get it. Maybe DM me if you guys would would wear a hat that says that's out of scope because I feel like it's kind of a funny like designer inside joke. But like, I mean, I have run into so many issues with this where I just wanted to really wow them and do something extra. And then that one thing is a thing that they don't like or they have tons of revisions on. And it's like, oh gosh, now I've like shot myself in the foot. Yeah. Also, like, if a product mock-up is out of scope and you've done it, like, that's really a kind gesture. And I don't know, it's hard because it's like you have done it. And if they want, like, slight revisions, you feel like, okay, well, like, I'll just make slight slight revisions and it turns into more. I know. A monster. Yeah. It's like, it's hard. You can't, like, qualify, well, this part of the project, you get this type of revision. Then this part of the project, you get different. So it's like, I think... I just think twice now before trying to go above and beyond, which is like so sad because like I want to be that person that like makes brand patterns for people, even when a pattern wasn't in the original scope. And like I scope creep on myself all the time. And most of the time it ends up working out. But I don't know. I feel like it's just, it's a risk that you've got to take when you do want to add additional things. Yes. This person learned that... This situation just really enforced that I should avoid male clients. I think that I've had issues with nearly every male client I've worked with and had worries about this being a problem, but overlooked that worry since he seemed like a dream client at first. This situation allowed me to become even more clear about my ideal clients. This is interesting because I think that not everybody would have that same reaction, right? Like, but if you've had consistent male clients who are hard to work with, like I could see where you would come to that conclusion. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing is that like, I like that this person said that I should avoid male clients, not that everyone should avoid male clients. You right. know, like I, I think we both have worked with male clients in the past that have been amazing. I do find that in general, male clients just tend to communicate in a different way. And if you're not used to a certain communication style, then working with female clients, then, you know, it might be a little jarring or like, you know, you might feel a certain way, you know, when working with them. Um, I've actually found that I enjoy 
sales calls with male clients much more than with female clients because they're much more willing to talk about finances, which is interesting. And we could probably do a whole deep dive into that in an entire episode. But, you know, everyone has a unique personality regardless of their gender. And I don't know, this person just decided like, hey, this is going to be a qualifier for me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Not sure the legality around that, but (laughs) you go, girl. (laughs) Our next story says, back when I was just starting out, I designed a logo for an electrical company. Yay, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) So I provided three initial logos to a client hoping they would choose my favorite. I should have just presented the one. And of course, they wanted to see more options and ask for some refinements, basically a mash between the logos already presented. After four additional rounds of refinement, he finally said, actually, I like the first design you did, which was the one that I was always hoping that they would choose. So after so much back and forth, we ended up going with the logo I initially presented. Not to mention, I only charged $550 for the logo, style guide, business card, and letterhead design. This is just frustrating for me. (laughs) I'm so frustrated on your behalf. I'm so sorry this happened. (laughs) This is why I don't do three different versions of logos or brands now because I've had the same kind of thing before where it's always like a Frankenstein of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. You guys know how much we love the one concept method. Go back and listen to our like 80 episodes that we've done about it. Yeah. This person learned to always present one logo, especially if you are confident with it and never allow more than two rounds of refinement without extra charges. My current process uses the one logo concept approach that I learned from branding with Brie. Thanks Jen for the course recommendation. Oh, you're welcome. And I definitely charge a lot more than I did for this project now. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. You guys know that we love branding with Brie. That's kind of where I learned the the bones of my design process now that I've kind of iterated on through the years. But yeah, one yeah, concept method. I love the one concept method. It is. That is it. That's the vibe. Anytime we talk about websites on this podcast, I feel like I always talk about how much I learned from Rach DeLuna's standout Squarespace course. I literally could not sing his praises enough. It changed the way that I run my business. It just made me so confident in Squarespace. And Rach is the best teacher in the entire world. Now she has a new course called Standout Shopify. And you guys, it's insane. It's like the same type of teaching style, but for Shopify. And literally, Rach is going to be able to take you from knowing zero. You don't have to know anything about Shopify. You come in and learn her course, listen through all the modules, and you'll be able to really turn your Shopify websites into just game changers. She's going to cover how to design effective e-commerce stores, how to build distinctive and elevated experiences by learning the code. That includes the Shopify liquid code how to streamline your client communication from discovery until you hand it off. And you'll be able to take any of those themes and adapt them to the type of styles that you want, adapt any of the concepts to customize any Shopify theme. And she's also going to teach you how to use one specific theme, a premium theme exclusive to standout Shopify students. So if you want to learn more, you can go to standoutshopify.com or check her out on Instagram at Square Stylist. Right now, if you sign up, it's the lowest price it will 
ever be between October 27th and October 31st. So definitely take a look at standoutshopify.com to learn Shopify from the start. And I'm so excited for you guys. So our next story, this person says, am I bad for flyering this client and keeping what she's already paid? My client would never give me her homework. I needed to complete her website and brand. I tried to get her to do it with simple questionnaires. I even told her to give me her login information and I would gather some items for her. She paid thousands of dollars and I have yet to complete her project. I had to message her and tell her that I was suspending her project and she could restart for an extra fee. She never responded. This resulted in me adding a restart fee to all of the client's contracts for my future. Wow. Okay. This is actually so interesting because that's a line item on her business, you know, like books that just... That she doesn't get. The rest of the project for. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's awesome that you've put in a restart fee for every client's contract because that's huge. And even though she never responded, she never paid for it, at least like you got the money for her project. I I mean, I I don't think you're bad for doing that at all because I actually have done that. Like I have, I guess I was telling Jen this the other day, I have a client who I started with in, I want to say March of this year. And he also paid close to 10K for his project, paid in full. Like there was, he decided he was going to pay in full and I completed it, but then there has been no contact after. And like the site's not live. I was still waiting for videos and photos to come in and hadn't received them. So after multiple emails, I was just like, well, okay. As long as you can document the fact that you tried to reach out to them, like no yeah. one can really come after you, you know, and you can say, Hey, I tried to reach out. Like I made, you know, I made the effort to contact this person. I actually, I hear about this all the time with clients just not giving deliverables, even when they have paid in full for projects. Like I actually had this happen to me early on in my career. It wasn't with a website. It was with like a brochure. The client paid half of the retainer, or it was it wasn't a retainer, it was just like a flat fee. It's like nine hundred dollars or something to do a like a welcome guide for her business. And I did the welcome guide and I sent it off to her and we did a little bit of rounds of revisions. I sent off the last revision. It wasn't like the final file. I hadn't exported it. It wasn't like usable. Literally have not heard from her since. And we were supposed to do another half of the project with another document. And I I don't know. I check on her social media sometimes and she's doing great. Like she looks happy. Her business is booming. Like, I don't know if she ever used what I made. She never came back and asked for a refund. Like I reached out to her a couple of times and I was just like, it is what it is. Maybe they got the value that they were looking for. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Our next story submission says, I've had a few difficult clients. I've only had to terminate the contract with one client though, who ironically was not the most toxic or unhealthy relationship, but it was a situation of boundaries constantly being crossed. At the end of the day, there was a control issue that resulted in her never trusting our opinions or recommendations, even though we constantly heard, you're the experts, I trust you implicitly, but it wasn't the case. She had asked for revisions upon revisions. I would phrase them in a way that felt like the last time every time and changed her mind constantly. I realized that when clients don't have a clear vision or know what they want, it can lead to shiny thing syndrome where they always want something new or something different. 
It could be perfect one day and then the next day they see a new site and boom, everything's trash and they want something else. We realized it would never be enough, never work out. So we ended it. It was a difficult conversation, but a necessary one. Oh, I've never heard the shiny thing syndrome. And I think that that is something I've gotten to witness. And I see that with myself when I like with clothes or with literal shiny things. I'm like, oh, that's so much better. I know. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that is so tough. It's interesting that this person wasn't toxic and she wasn't mean. Yeah. And it was just a pattern that this designer noticed over time that nothing they did was ever going to be good enough for this client. Um, and it sounds like, I don't know how everything ended, but it sounds like you guys ended on a relatively good note because you had yeah. a difficult conversation, but it was necessary. So I would love to know what that conversation consisted of. So if this is your story and if you feel comfortable sharing that in the Facebook group, I would love to hear it just because I want to know like how you've gone about those type of conversations to just say like, this isn't working because I've yeah. never had that. I've had difficult client stories, but I have just kind of dealt with it, which is not good. But <laughs> I, I want to know how to have those difficult conversations in the future. Yeah. This person said that it gave me more clarity around the red flags to look out for in the beginning. Also, we separate all projects into two phases to protect ourselves and our clients. If either party wants to pull out at the end of phase one, we can, no problem. I love that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Um, I like that a lot. Branding, web design, you know, and so like, I wonder how that works with like non-refundable deposits because... I feel like most designers require non-refundable deposits. Maybe you just don't get the deposit back, but then you're not on the hook for any of the additional payments. Yeah. Our next story is, I had a client come to me because she was super disappointed with the designer she originally went with. That should have been a red flag, but it was a referral, which I took as a compliment instead. She was so picky that at one point I was so fed up with the constant revisions, I got her on Zoom and opened up my artboard and she literally pointed and basically made the logo and color palette herself. I've never felt more like a pixel pusher in my life and officially added picky and didn't like any other designers work first to my red flag list. Oh, that is probably my top red flag is that they're like, oh, I had a horrible experience with a designer and like, I'm like, okay, like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I do not, like, I do not work with people that say that. Like I recently had a a person come, come through my inquiry form and she was like, I, like I, my website was just so horrible and I just need someone to fix it. It's like, okay, I don't want to start off a project with that energy. Honestly, I just, I gracefully, it's not fun being a pixel pressure, a Facebook group. (laughs) No, it's not. And I've, you guys know, I've talked about designing in front of my clients before, which is definitely like controversial. Like not everyone feels comfortable doing that. Not every client would enjoy doing that. The situations in which I've done this have not been anything like this. This is mm-hmm. pixel you pushing, have to know. you know, like you have to like read the room, you know, this is just, yeah. I feel so bad for this designer. It's funny. Like, I don't know if you've seen these memes where it's like project price, like $10,000, like I do all the, or it's like, yeah, you do it yourself. Designer does all the work, $10,000. Like I design, you watch $8,000 or $12,000. Like I design, like you design, I watch $15,000. You design everything, $20,000. Yes, I have (laughs) seen that. So so funny funny that people will like pay for that and then literally just do it themselves. Just like, yeah, because they need somebody who knows the programs. That's kind of what I feel like a lot of people just want. Oh, well, I feel like that's what like Fiverr and like Upwork are for. 
but they don't know that. Or they want like the experience of feeling like they're having a custom designer. Uh, I don't know. Big sigh. (laughs) The person said, the moral of the story is to look for red flags and made me realize I need to be more confident in my designs and tell future clients, this is good because of this reason as the professional, instead of just doing what they want. Yeah. I feel like this is just like, this is kind of like a posture thing. It's like, how do you hold yourself in client conversations? How do you see yourself as a designer? Um, even if there's like shreds of doubt inside of you, like how do you show up as that confident design consultant that we're always talking about on here? So I love that. Yeah. Our next story reads, an Instagram follower had told me that one particular post made her stop feeling guilty about being a florist as it's not changing the world and start to find more joy in her work. She then booked me to design her website. I ended up writing all copy and her reaction to the first draft was emotional. For the first time in a while, she felt proud of her work. When it came to sending me notes to amend the first draft, she sent me a Figma design her friend had done and asked me to copy it exactly with her friend's notes in red saying, delete all text and we'll fill it in later. What a kick in the privates. Wow. That's like, that's so rough. It's just like another example of a third party coming in and just kind of like throwing a huge curveball in. I have had lots of difficult copywriting experiences with clients where we provide copy or I work with a copywriter and then they just don't, something about the copy just isn't right. And like, that's just not my top area of expertise. And so then I don't feel like really comfortable with like, okay, how do we iterate on this. And then I'm trying to be a good like leader for my subcontractor. And then maybe it's just not a good match. And like, you know, it's, it's just hard. Yeah. Uh, I also am just like, wow, her friend literally sent you the Figma design to copy. And then like, they're going to fill it in with their own copy later. I'm like, what? Yeah. And she also said at the beginning that her copy like she felt proud of her work that like she saw the draft and she loved it and then came back and it was completely different. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I think this is a classic story of like what we were talking about before of having people other than you get involved in the design and the copywriting and anything related to your business. Mm -hmm. And I understand like, of course you want to share it with your friends and you want to share it with other colleagues or whatever. But like at the end of the day, if I was a client, I would want to like trust my own gut. Like if I had emotional reaction to it, that's it. Like that's, that's what it feels right. Yes. What did they learn? Looking for red flags where I start to feel like I'm responsible for the client's feelings about themselves. Also don't make an exception to your main packages when someone butters you up with compliments. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's called love bombing, and that is very dangerous. Yes, it's very toxic. Because I feel like people always are like, oh my gosh, I love this so much. And then they flip, and you're left kind of like, oh my gosh, did they manipulate me? Like, mm-hmm. what's going on here? You're left in your head with just so many questions of like, if they liked this, then what's going on? And this relates to design too. Like, when people are like, oh my gosh, I love it. And then For example, like that person had created a product mock-up and I'm like, well, if you liked it, then why don't you like this? Like they're all tied together. It doesn't make sense. It's so confusing and it like really screws with your mind. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I've had a situation like this where the client was like, yes, I love it. You're the best. Like, oh, I'm so happy that I found you. Like all of this stuff. And then they actually hadn't been looking at the website, I guess, even though they'd been giving approval. And then the night before the website launched, they like freaked out and were like calling me and everything and proceeded to like gaslight me for like weeks after this saying like, oh, we were, we really thought more of you. Like 
we were so excited to work with you. Like now we're just so disappointed in you. And like, just, just notice how like personal all of that stuff is. It's not, it has not, it's not business anymore when I feel like it gets to that level. And I feel like that client was where I, I drew the line of never giving out my personal contact information to anyone. Um, so yeah, this like flip-flopping, like love bombing slash like gaslighting behavior, I feel like is, uh, I've heard so many stories from people that have been gaslit by clients and it's just like, it's just so not okay. It made me feel like I was going insane. Like it made me feel like, okay, wait, what have I done wrong? Like, I really thought I was really killing it. Like, and then now all of a sudden it's like, they feel completely differently. It just, it makes you feel like you're a stranger in your own head. It's like, it is, it's wild. Our next story, we just want to let you guys know that there is a little bit of a trigger warning here. So there's content related to sexual assault and sexual harassment. So if you do want to skip through it, feel free to, but I'm going to start reading. So this started off with small red flags, which is a lesson within itself. The clients that feel entitled to break your boundaries often start small, and over time, as you let things slide, it can turn into a bigger problem. I had a social media graphic design retainer relationship with a client who had a really strong reputation within my industry. After not paying her invoice for a website redesign, the project date start arrives, and I get six phone calls from her asking why the project hadn't started yet. I finally answered and said, It's because you hadn't paid the invoice or signed the contract, which I've stated multiple times over the bidding process of this project. She told me that I was being extremely transactional, that I don't know how to maintain relationships, that my price was too high, and that another designer on the project was losing money on this because at the end of the day, it was supposed to result in exposure. Oh, the exposure comments. Oh, no, no, no. So she said I should consider that and revise the price accordingly. Anyways, I stood my ground and she accepted, but she seemed very resentful. This is where it gets really interesting. Flash forward to a team retreat I was asked to participate in. I show up to the hotel where she said the hotel was paid in full. She agreed to cover the expense since this was a company retreat. It was not, so I had a 1500 hold on my card and ended up getting charged for it. During this, this is trip, like inventing Anna. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. I don't know yes. if you guys have read, have seen inventing Anna, but this is literally inventing Anna. <laughs> yeah. During this trip, her roommate ended up verbally and sexually harassing myself as well as another person on her team. At the end of the shoot, I ended up texting my client saying, I'm done. This company culture is unacceptable and I refuse to be a part of it. She was well aware of the harassment and our frustration, but she tried to smooth things over. I ended up telling her I needed 5K a month to continue to work for her. I honestly thought she'd say no and that that would be the end of it. But she said yes, so we agreed to trial it for 30 days. Invoice after invoice went unpaid and my studio ended up losing a total of $20,000 and more. And I walked away from the relationship for good. The biggest lesson I learned was that even as an independent contractor or business owner, we still have workplace rights and it is your right to exercise those. I could and still can take more action on the harassment, unpaid invoices and disparagement if I chose to. Don't let a client who acts like they have more resources than you push you around. Despite it all, this has helped me gain so much confidence as a studio owner. I feel like I truly know my worth now. I also enforce all late fees, tighten up my contracts, and have implemented a higher level client experience to help enforce our boundaries and policies in a way that feels good to myself and the client. We have received so many compliments on how detailed we are now. We also completely pivoted the studio into a new target market, 
So although we lost her as a referral source, we took a turn down a path that is much more in alignment to where I see the studio headed. Oh, wow. I'm so sad. I'm just like, my heart goes out to you. Like, it's it's just so like not okay. It's not okay to have someone not pay your invoice, but at the end of the day, like your physical safety being in jeopardy during a retreat where you're meeting people for the first time, like, ugh. It's, yeah. I'm just so sorry that's happened to you. And to hear that this is kind of a norm within that team, it sounds like, if it's something that they were trying to smooth over, just is really yeah dangerous and damaging for the people who are part of that team full-time or who, yes. who work consistently with her. And it's just, that's a lot. That's a lot to deal with. And I'm so sorry that that's something you had to go through. I'm glad that like yeah. the, the learning experience from that was to tighten things up and make sure that it doesn't happen to you or anyone that you work with again. Because I think that at the end of the day, like as a studio owner, we are responsible not just for ourselves, but for anybody that we come into contact with or anybody that we hire. And that's hard. I mean, you definitely could go through legal processes and that could be a whole 100%. lawsuit, but that's a lot of work too 100%. and reliving all of it. Yeah, I think, you know, whatever path forward feels best for you. Like, I think that you should pursue that or not pursue it if that is what you want. Um, I love that you're talking about work workplace rights. Um, as people providing digital services, I feel like so often we're not in the physical presence of the people that we work for. And in many times I've been extremely grateful for that. But when things do come to, you know, in-person um, situations, like, you know, things can get really, really scary. Um, and so like, thank you for opening up and sharing this story because yeah. if there's any other designer or any person out there who has been in a workplace situation and experienced any type of harassment, um, it's not okay. It's not normal. Um, and you have rights and you know, you can choose to exercise them if you would like. So thank you for, for sharing this. Yeah. I think there's also a lesson to learn here about having a healthy work and personal life balance. I know retreats are something that people like to do together, especially for teams. Like it can create really great team bonding moments, but there is a level there too. And I know, I don't know if in this particular instance, there is alcohol involved. I think there tends to be alcohol involved when it is a team retreat. And we like to think that that's fun and whatever, but that can be really, really detrimental sometimes. Um, what I've done, when I used to work in advertising, advertising is kind of a wild industry as well. I was going to say, is it's it like, like Mad Men? I mean, like Mad yeah, Men? Like, okay. actually. <laughs> I mean, it also depends on where, which company you're part of, but where I have been, it is, there's a lot that goes on there. But what I did is I tended to like stay out of it for the most part. Like I didn't want to go out with my coworkers after work hours because I knew that there could be a lot that happens. And it's just, it's hard to like keep your balance. It complicates things so it much. It complicates yeah. things. When I know that what I missed out on boundaries. from like not going to those events, I missed out on some networking. I missed out on like the potential mm -hmm. to jump companies or like gain exposure in a way, but like I also saved myself from a lot of harassment and a lot of issues that could yeah. and do go on. Wow. Yeah. It's like 
I was, I mean, I was in corporate for maybe a hot second in my career. So um, this isn't like a part of, of my story. I mean, I do remember all the interns really getting yelled at a lot when I was working at a particular magazine that shall remain nameless <laughs> in New York City. I mean, especially, you know, in fashion and advertising and in finance and some of those industries that just have those reputations, it can be really difficult. Yeah. So I, Esther, I think it's cool that you made that boundary for yourself. And that's probably hard, especially with, you know, FOMO and, you know, wanting to have camaraderie with the team and yeah. stuff. But like, you know, your lifestyle looked different. At yeah. That point. I also think as we are studio owners now, and like, I think small nimble studios are going to and have become the future. I think that we mm-hmm. have this responsibility to set new precedents for what culture for companies looks like in the future. And that's a burden, but also a privilege to be able to shape the future of business. And yeah, I love to hear our listener who shared that they get to choose a path that's more in alignment to their studio and just enforce things within their own business. That's huge. And applauding that for you. Yes. Yeah. I I mean, Esther, I couldn't have said it better myself. I love that you are sharing about this, like, hey, like we do have this power to change the landscape of what our industry looks like, because I feel like so often we think about agencies as the more legitimate businesses, you know, but like we also have a very niche market of people and businesses who are not at the agency level yet, you know? And so like, I'm thinking about that as I am you know, continuing to work with subcontractors and not hiring anyone full-time yet. But I want to think about how do, how do I want the people that work with me to feel? Like, do I, they, do I want them to feel prioritized? Yes. You know, how do I want them to be treated? Like, who are they going to come into contact with, you know, in working with me? Yeah. It's just like all of these things that, um, that you're right. We do have an opportunity to Yes. And I think that that's kind of the whole point of this episode too, of like, yes, we're hearing from difficult client stories and whatnot, but at the end of the day, like, how are we changing things so that we can move into a better space for our own selves, but our studios and the way that we interact with clients and how we communicate with people and set boundaries. I think that it's not just from a business perspective, but just like, how do we interact with the world and how can we make things better for us and for clients in the future so that there are no issues. I know that that's, it's a very high bar to set of like, we're going to make everything perfect. Like that's almost unrealistic, but like we can push things along so that it's better for the future. If you do have children or if you do have people that you are giving advice to in the future, even if they're younger then that, I feel like this is a good place to be in where you're now learning and you can pass it on to future generations and they can continue to make things better. Wow. I loved all of that. I love you so much. You're so eloquent. Thanks. Sometimes I feel like I just like (laughs) blunder through everything. (laughs) Literally me tripping over every single word I tried to say in this episode. Oh my gosh. But thank you guys so, so much for sharing all of your stories with us. Uh, It's just, uh, you know, opening up about this stuff is hard, you know, and both Esther and I have been there with difficult client situations. Like it takes some time to heal. You can have some real, you know, just issues from the way that people treat you in your past. And, 
you know, so it, it is fun to, you know, read through and be like, Ooh, like I would never do that. Or like, Oh, that sucks. Yeah. You know, but I feel like there's also so many nuggets of wisdom in here for not only what red flags to avoid, but how to turn inwards and how to think about like, how can I set my business up to protect myself from clients like that in the future, whether that's, you know, legally through contracts or through your process yeah. or just through the way that you carry yourself and the way that you present yourself to the world. Um, not laying blame or shame on anyone, but knowing that you have the power to, you know, decide who you want to work with and to put an image out there that shows your expertise. Um, and not to be pushed around by yeah. people. So um, we just, we appreciate you guys. Yes, absolutely. Echo everything that Jen said. I also want to say that if you are currently going through a difficult client situation or you have in the past, and maybe that's something that you haven't fully healed from, I would just encourage you to allow yourself to feel all that. All of those feelings are completely valid. The way that people interact with you hurts and it's not okay. Allow yourself to cry it out if you need to. I know I do. Cry it out and then maybe follow some sort of format of like what we've done here. Like maybe write it out to yourself in a Google Doc and then write what you learned from it. And perhaps the act of just putting it all out there helps to then move on and you can continue on in your business. If that's not something you want to do, don't do it. Like it's up to you to choose your own adventure. But I just encourage you to try and get it out there or talk to another designer friend. Talk to us if you want to because client situations is really tough. Being a business owner is tough. We don't have mentors unless you've hired one, but we don't have people who are above us to kind of guide us through things like you would if you were in corporate. So we're here for you guys. I want you to know that and just know that you're not alone in this. Oh, big love fest moment for everyone listening right now. We love you guys so much. Yeah. Big hug. So we're going to skip our inbox question this week just because these stories were so juicy and so much advice and learnings have been shared. We will see you guys next week and happy spooky season. Happy spooky season. See you later. Bye guys. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air, or you want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. Search for Better the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. If you love these conversations between designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash betterpodcast. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources. Special thanks to our producer, John, from Wayfair Recording Co. See you guys again next week.